Welcome, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. Well, so glad you're here. Why don't you stand and sing with us?
morning, everyone. How are y'all doing? Doing well? Fantastic. Any Michigan fans in the house today? Amazing, huh? Great, great win. Great end to the game yesterday. Congratulations to all of you Michigan fans out there. And if we haven't met, my name is Andrew. And it's crazy to think that Easter is just around the corner. And we are going to be remembering and celebrating at Easter exactly what we just sang about just a few moments ago. That Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. That as the lamb he was slain, but as the lion he rose again in victory. And this Easter, our theme is going to really is going to revolve around this whole idea of the greatest show on earth, and it's this idea of a magic show. And we'd love to tell you more and to learn more. We'd love for you to check out this video. Every magic trick has three acts, and we believe the story of Easter has three acts as well. This Easter season, we are so excited to invite you to a series we are calling The Greatest Show on Earth. Our team has been working to create a three-part journey that begins at Palm Sunday, laying out the story of Jesus' entry to the city of Jerusalem as just an ordinary man on a donkey to his extraordinary act of love on Good Friday. Everything culminates on Easter Sunday as we celebrate Jesus raising from the dead in the most amazing death-defying act in all of history. A magician knows the secret behind the illusion, but with the story of Jesus, there is no illusion. We believe that this amazing story is all actually real. Join us as we reveal the hidden secrets to this story and see for ourselves the miraculous gift that is offered to each of us through the greatest show on earth. Awesome. So we'd love for you not only to be a part of it this Easter, but we'd also love for you to invite somebody to come with you, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, whether it's your server at a restaurant, a barista at the coffee shop that you go to every single day. And so what we'd love for you to do is that when you walk out to grab one of these, if you haven't already, and not only for yourself to put it up on your fridge or maybe somewhere on your desk um, at work, but also to give to somebody else as an invite and to bring them along. And so we'd love for you to be here and to experience the great show on earth with us this coming Easter. Also, in April, we're going to be having baptisms as well. And baptisms are probably one of the most amazing things that we do here at Kensington. And you're going to see a video in a moment um, with our very own Danny Cox as he explains his journey of being baptized. And he's going to give us a little bit more insight as to what baptism is. So check it out. In 2000, I had a transformative encounter with Jesus Christ, so much so that I came home from that Easter service, looked at my wife, and I said, the man that left today is not the man that stands in front of you. And it began this journey with Jesus. In fact, it was about a three or four year journey. And friends of mine used to say, hey, you, you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. But I felt like God was saying, no, wait, wait for your wife. And in 2004, my wife came to me and said, hey, you know that baptism thing? I want to do that with you. And we got baptized that summer. It was a beautiful ceremony out in Stony Creek. When we were coming home, my wife said to me, you know what? When we were coming out of the water, I felt like God gave me a vision. Now, if you know my wife, Amy, that's not how she speaks at all. And I said, oh, tell me what this vision is. And she said, you know when you're on a roller coaster and you get, you're in the seat and all of a sudden you start going up that hill, chink, chink, chink. And you start moving up that hill to go to the crest of the hill. She goes, that's the vision I had. And then I felt like God said to me, buckle up. You're about to go on the ride of your life. And that statement was one of the most true statements we had ever heard. Over the last 14 years, Amy and I have been on the ride of our life with Christ. 
and Kensington is holding their baptism service on April 14th and 15th. And if you're that person that feels like God is tugging you to him, then we're inviting you to be baptized. There's nothing magical in the water, but as you go down into the water, it washes your old self away. And as you come up, it's symbolic of God making you into a new creation. It's your public declaration of an inward reality. So come be with us, come get baptized. And I know that you're gonna have to buckle up and get ready for the ride of your life. Come join us. That's awesome. So as Danny mentioned, if you're feeling that tug, we'd love for you to step into this. And if you would like to register to be baptized, all you have to do is go to the website, www.kensingtonchurch.org forward slash baptism. Or if you'd like more information, we'd also love for you to go and to take a look at the website as well. And so at this moment, I want to invite all of us to get up and say hello to somebody, say welcome, give somebody a hug, give somebody a handshake, everyone. wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams all the time. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. As a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. I think the best is yet to come. Well, good morning, everyone. I think the best is yet to come, too. Here we go. Now, let's see what happens this service. Well, my name is Danny. Grateful that you're here, especially those who are brand new. It's a great, uh, actually, day to be here. If you're brand new, just walk through our doors, you are going to hear a lot of the heart of what this place really has been birthed into being. And so uh, that's awesome. We're also going to have a pledge. We're calling this pledge weekend. So we're going to be part of a capital campaign that we're going to come at the end and pledge. If you're brand new, you don't have to worry about that moment, but I'm glad that you get to hear this and really hear our heart. But we're in the third week, the final week of something that we call unstoppable force, where we're looking at how God designed his church to leave his mark on this world how he's designed his people unique. He's gifted each one of you. I don't know if you know that, but you have unique gifts. You have a unique context and people around you to impact. And then today we're going to look at potentially what you've always thought the church maybe was or even should be. And what I'm hoping is you'll see a little turn or a shift or a paradigm shift in the way that you see church. Maybe not so much as a building, but something wider and bigger. And by the end, I'm hoping that you see yourself in a role in that And you see that God wants to use you in that. And so I don't know for you, but for me, when I hear the word church, what comes to your mind? What's the image right away that comes to your mind? Oh, you look at you. You're already yelling things out. You don't have to yell it out. I just want you to have, but you can, uh, but but I just want you to hold the image in your mind. What image? Don't, Don't edit the image. Just hold it there. Because what I realized for me, I've been here for 18 years. And what I realized is that I still have images in my mind of a church when I was a child. 
I don't know why, but even all this time later, I'll think the word church, and then this image pops in my mind. Maybe some of these images uh, that you might have, something like this. But in this church, actually, we know it's, it's up north. Uh, I think yeah, that my wife might have even gone to that church. Maybe a, a more country uh, kind of stone church like this. Um, maybe it's even this kind of old country church like that. You know, it's very, <laughs> that looks like something old. And I have no idea what those glow sticks are. It looks like lightsabers. But this, hold on that image right there for a second. That image is something that, that, that hits me when I think of church. I don't know why, but I think I do know why. And maybe it's in the next picture. But this next picture is what I picture in my brain. Because that's the church I grew up in. And I don't know why, but sometimes, even though I know I have different contexts of church, even though I've read scripture and maybe understand a little bit more of the heart of what Jesus hoped for his church, and as we're going to talk about today, I still have an image, that image in my mind, where it's this building. And I started thinking about my childhood, and when I was a little guy, and we'd walk into that building, there was a long walkway to go into one entrance, and as you walked, it had the stations of the cross in these little statue forms, and I was just big enough to look in the stations of the cross, and they were kind of scary, man, they were intense, and so you're walking, you're like, you know, like you're a little kid, and you're like, come on, let's go, we're going to church, and then you cross the threshold of the door, and you get real quiet, you start talking like this, and say, we're in church. And then even when you talk like that, it kind of echoed because it was really big. You put some water on you, and then you walked in, and you sat in these pews. And, you know, I was a nervous kid, so I would always shake my leg, and I'd be shaking. You know, I'm a drummer, so and I was shaking the pews, and my dad, he has these huge hands, and he would just grab my, my leg. He goes, shh, we're in church. Don't do that. Okay. And then like two minutes later, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. And then in church, you're sitting in the pews and you're looking at the priest. And behind the priest is this massive crucifix. And Jesus is hanging on it. And then you look, and I swear to you, I'm not kidding. If I moved a little this way, I saw his eyes look at me. <laughs> oh, my God. What's happening right? I don't know if you guys, I'd rather. But I had that kind of thing where the church was an in- intimidating. It felt intimidating. It felt like a place that could I enter into this? And when I enter into it, it's like, whoa, what am I doing? You know? So when I came into this building years ago, I thought, this isn't a church. Look at you guys. You look like slobs. <laughs> I'm like, because, because when, you, when you came in, here, I'm wearing a t-shirt. So you came, but you came into church. Well, we dressed differently and we talked differently. And then when we were done, we just, we walked out of church. We're like, okay, so go, okay, where are we going to go now? You know, like it was a totally different deal when you left church. Many of you, still to this day, believe that God exists just in these four walls. Many people believe that they need to go to a building to find God. That it's inside of these walls. The majority of the people in the world may never cross the threshold of of a building, the door wall of a building. So is that how God designed it? Is that his desire Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to look at the church, and I think this building is powerful, and I'm grateful for it. But I think God has something wider. And so let me pray, and then I'm going to do some amazing artwork for you, because I don't know if you know that, but that's my degree. And so you'll see it come to to life. Uh, Yeah, it's anything. Yeah, whatever. So let me pray, and then I'll do my best to not embarrass you with my artwork. Or I won't embarrass you. I'll embarrass me. Lord, thank you for this community. Thank you for... Thank you for this building, actually. I was so grateful for the people who came before that would invest 
to create a space where people could gather and hear about you. And I'm profoundly grateful for that. Because I, I can't imagine life if I hadn't crossed into this place. But more importantly, Lord, I couldn't imagine life if I didn't experience you. Thank you for how you transform hearts, how you connect hearts together, how you create community, and how you create in us a desire to go out in the world and change it for your purposes. Father, I pray deeply in this moment that you give us a new vision of how you see your people, how you see the ones that you come into and transform do your work in the world. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm just going to give you a couple uh, images, and then, uh, and then we're going to uh, use these images to, to go into some scripture and give you a few words that you might be able to put to it. So, John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It says, For God so loved the... God so loved the... God so loved the... World. Thank you. God so loved the world that he gave... His one and only son. That whoever placed their faith in him shall never perish but have eternal life. Jesus didn't come into the world, John three seventeen, to condemn it, but to save it. So God so loved the world. The scripture doesn't say God so loved part of the world. The scripture doesn't say God so loved certain people of the world. He said that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So he gave his son. So here's God. God so loved the world, he gave his son. Here's the world. Now, our tendency, we call this the incarnation, by the way. God leaving his heavenly place and taking on flesh, taking on human form to come into the world. I'm going to talk more about that. So God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus. Jesus came into the world. Now, humans have a tendency to take things and control them. I don't know if you're like me, but I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, I think I got that. Okay, now it's mine, right? I'll take that. I've learned that. I'll hold that here. It's mine. And so what we have a tendency to do is contain it. So what we did was we decided to just box God into a building. And Jesus existed in a building. I told you my artwork is unbelievable. I don't have no idea what that is. But that's supposed to be a church, all right? And God sent his son, and then we put him in a building. And we say, this is where God lives. Now, That's not unique to you or me. It's not unique to people. In the very early writings of Christianity, God's people would put God in a little box. In fact, they would have him in the center of the temple, in the Holy of Holies, where only one person a year, the high priest, would be able to go in and be in the presence of God. And so that's our nature to kind of box God in. And we've put him in there. And then people gather in this building... And they learn about God, and then many times they think they're awesome. Like, I'm getting, I'm holy in this building. This is great. This building's for me. I feel good about myself. I'm becoming holy. Here's the deal there are millions, literally in our area, there are millions, hundreds of thousands of people out in our community that look at our building, that drive by our building every week. I told you. Amazing artwork. That are all kinds of different people. We've got families. 
and all kinds of people that come by this building and they stare at our building. And what we're hoping they'll do is someday they'll cross into this building and they'll come in over the threshold of our doors and enter into the holy place to find God. Now, many of these people, and I know because I was one of them, you don't feel like you might want to go into this place. Before I came here, I didn't feel like I wanted to enter this. I was studying so many different religions. I didn't feel like I wanted to enter into this building. In some ways, I looked at the building and didn't even know it was a church. But when I found out, I was like, I don't want to go in. A friend of mine years ago, he said, if, and you probably heard someone say this, if I enter that building, it will catch on fire. Because you have no idea what I've done. And there are people out there that maybe have, like, I don't know, maybe their language is unique and colorful. Uh, maybe they have certain uh, habits that aren't, you know, they think aren't good. Maybe, uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. It looks like an old Western, like, hey, okay, I'm driving my horse up. All right, I told you, I'm amazing. And uh, maybe last night, you know, someone had, like, a little bit too much green beer. And they're like, I can't really show up tonight or today. I can't really go there. I have Listen. There's all kinds of reasons that people don't think they should enter this place. But here, let me break down a paradigm for this. We're all broken. There's brokenness here and in the world. There are no perfect people in this church, including me. Zero. Perfect people don't exist. Only Christ and his perfect life exists. That's it. And so we're hoping... At some point, that people enter in. Now, here's the truth. There's probably about 1.2 million people in Oakland County. There's about 800 square miles. Uh, I'm just going off the top of my head. There's like 1,400 people per square mile. Uh, you can play out the numbers. You can look at them. We're not even counting Macomb County. There's well over a million and a half people in our context. On a good weekend here, we're up around 4,000 people total. How many people are left in our region? This is our region. Millions, hundreds of thousands of people that may never cross this. But this is the image sometimes we have of church. Now I want to change that image a little bit because I don't think that God... Now look, this building, like I told you, is important. I really believe that. I believe church buildings are important because it's a place where we can gather. It's a place where we have community. It's a place where we can learn about God. We can learn about worshiping God. We can learn about what it means to surrender to him. All of that's beautiful. And by the way, some of you might have come into this building today because you're desperate. And you need to take a breath. And you need to rest. And you need to have truth spoken over you. You need to know that you're okay. You need to know that God loves you. And you need to rest here. And you may need to rest here for a long time. That's okay. Because you need a safe place to land. And you need to heal. But eventually, as you heal, God doesn't want you to just stay here. And that's the beautiful part about this image. So God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, the incarnation. God taking on our form and flesh. We call this the vertical incarnation. And then he came in to the world. And what did he do? He found people. And he gathered people. And he said, you people are going to be my representatives. You people are going to be my ambassadors. You people are going to be my church. The word, the Greek word would be ekklesia. It means citizenship. So 
It's a Roman word that meant citizenship, a gathering of citizens, a congregation, a people. And so God said, you are my church. And as Christ came into the world, he took people and he started coming in to their hearts and to their minds and to their souls. And he started to transform them. He started to give them his DNA, his way he thinks, the way he sees people, the way he lives his life. He started to say, this is what's going to change the world. And I'm going to impart that. If you read any of the newer part of the Bible called the New Testament, the Second Testament, you'll see that Jesus says over, Paul says many times over and over, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. In Christ. Christ in, it comes in to his people and changes them and transforms them. And as they start to learn who they are, whose they are, they start to realize that they're part of something bigger. And they start to be sent out to all of these people. Start to send out over here and over here and over here. And what God says is, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out. God said, listen, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to let you know who your uniqueness are, your gifting. And then I'm going to send you out to the unique people that I've placed in your life. And you're to take the church out into the world. Now, there are going to be some that will come in. I was one of them. Definitely. And it's powerful. And it's amazing what can happen here in community. But, of, but really, the, the church is like a quiver filled with arrows. And God just keeps filling up the air. And then we shoot people out. God shoots people out into the world and into their community. That's church. And so this vertical incarnation, God taking on flesh, comes into us. And then it creates this horizontal incarnation that's happening here on earth to bring God's truth and his kingdom to the world. You laughed. I don't know what this is. It's H-I, horizontal incarnation. It's a beautiful picture of church, isn't it? It's different. And many of you may not say it. You're like, no, I'm going to show up on Sunday and experience God, and then I'm just going to move on. And God will say, no, I want you to show up in a gathering, but I want you to have a different mindset, because when I come into you, I'm going to send you out. And I'm going to send you out, hopefully, in the mindset in the heart posture of my son. And so when Jesus comes in, he transforms us and he gives us a mindset. That's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about it just in three words and I'm going to use the gospel of John. So the gospel of John in the very beginning, this Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth kind of account of Jesus' life on this earth. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That phrase, word, that word, word, capital W is Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. That's how the whole book starts. I love the gospel of John. He's saying in the very beginning of time, Jesus was there. And everything is rooted out of him. And then in verse 14, it says this, the word Jesus became flesh, incarnation, and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. So I'm just going to take that little bit of scripture, and I'm going to play that out in three words. The three words are powerlessness, 
Proximity and proclamation. Powerlessness, proximity, and proclamation. First one's powerlessness. The word became flesh. It says Jesus left his heavenly home. The word became flesh. There was a decision, and God said, I have a mission for you, son. Go. And he left his heavenly home. He crossed all time and space to enter into our humanity. It's heaven meeting earth. It's the eternal meeting the temporal. And there has to be an unbelievable level of humility. There has to be an unbelievable level of obedience for Jesus to be able to be present enough to do this and to accomplish this. And Jesus had to lay down his privilege and he had to lay down his power. Think about this. Don't miss it. You have to lay down your privilege and you have to lay down your power. Many times we never think about that. He had to lay those down in order to accomplish what God wanted him to accomplish and to be obedient to what his call was to be. Lay those things down. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, had an unbelievable account with Jesus heading a different way in his life. Passion becomes a passion follower after he finds Jesus. He writes about this mindset in what I think is really a life chapter for me, Philippians 2. It says this, Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Don't miss that either. Jesus, being in very nature God, didn't consider himself equality. He considered to go to release his privilege and power. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. That is the mindset. You hum, he's humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself, surrendered his power and privilege, and became a servant. The word became flesh. The incarnation of God, taking on our flesh, humbling himself, coming and then serving his creation. This is a crazy mindset. If you had all the power in the world, all the money in the world, everything you need, would you surrender it? No, I wouldn't. I'd be like, yes, this is awesome. Jesus had that times a million. He has everything. And he decides, I'm going to surrender it. And not only that, but I'm going to come. And then Mark says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Not only am I going to enter into your earthly circumstances, but the Lord of all lords, the power of all power, the one that created all things, is not only that he's going to actually serve. It's an unbelievable dichotomy. It's one that I struggle with. I love to be served. And I come home, I'm like, chink, chink, chink. I need a drink, honey. You know, like, that's my, I love that stuff. And now that's like super sinful in me, but it feels good to be served, doesn't it? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. You serve. That's how I've made you to be. Don't be, don't be someone that wants this. In fact, it's so funny. It just happened this past week. I was in... Oh, uh, it doesn't matter where I was. But all of a sudden, there was some garbage there, and this person just picked it up and handed it like this to a person there, and they wanted him to just take it. Take this away. I was like, wow. But that's my nature too. Sometimes you can really fall into that, and Jesus is like, no. We need to serve others. And when we reach out to others and we serve them, guess what? Something happens. You might have heard this. This, this truism. And this phrase is something I think the world is crying out to the church. Here's the truism. It says this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can talk about all the truth you want. I can talk about all the truth I want to my wife, but she is not going to receive any of that until I lay my life down for her. Which, by the way, in Scripture, husbands, if you just want to know, our job in marriage is to lay our life down for our wives, presenting them holy and blameless. You're like, I don't want to do that. I don't either, but we need to. It's not my nature. It's not. But my wife knows I care when I make, when I submit my life to her, lay it down and let her know. And by the way, it's not just with marriage. Friendship, neighbors, enemies. Something profound that happens. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. And when we notice the needs of others and step into their lives and serve them, guess what? People know we care. They know we care. There are thousands of these things happening every month. Here's just one. A friend of mine is part of a, a barbecue down in Detroit. And I was talking to him the other day, and I know that he does once a month, a Saturday. He says, oh, no, 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 it's not once a month. He goes, we got different people. Every Saturday of the month, all year long, there's a barbecue down in Detroit that feeds the homeless, whether it's rain, shine, snow, sub-zero temperatures, they are there every Saturday. We never hear about that. People are doing this all the time, serving. Do you think the homeless community in that part of the city is feeling loved? Oh my goodness, the stories are amazing. And so my friend, I, I was at his house, he goes, hey, do you want to see, see my trailer that I put together for this? This thing's massive, and it's got every bit of equipment you can imagine stuck on the sides, and this and that, it's like high tech. And he's into it. Pairs all the food the night before, has it all ready, he's down there, sets up shop and tables and everything. Man, that's one thing happening in our community. Thousands of things happening that we never even hear about. And when we do that, guess what? When we lay down our privilege and power, when we serve other people, you know what they know? They know that Jesus is present. So powerlessness. The second one is proximity. We spend time and he made his dwelling among us. He made his dwelling. He, it comes from the word tabernacle. He tabernacled with us. He, he set up shop. He pitched his tent. I like what Eugene Peterson says in the Message Bible. He says, the word became flesh and blood. Jesus became flesh and blood. And he moved into the neighborhood. I love that phrase. He moved into the neighborhood. He came close. And listen, because of the context that Jesus was in, where, where in the Greek culture, these Greek gods were so distant and they were so far off. And they, were so, they would come down and swoop in and show their power and leave again. Because Jesus came close and entered into our circumstance, that changed everything. God was no longer a distant God. He was close and he was intimate. He wasn't limited to this holy of holies. He was now in front of all people. He's giving access to him. That's some radical change. He came close to his creation. He breathed the same air. He had the same dust on his feet. He understood conflict. He was involved in people. He felt the same emotion. He felt all of that. And we are called to live the same. We're called to come close to others, to spend time in other people's lives. They're good, you know, they're beautiful, they're bad, they're ugly. Everything involved, we're called to come close. And we're not called to come close just for people that we like. Or that look like us. We tend to do that. We tend to be around people that are like us. 
But God's like, no, no, no. I want you to be way wider than that. I want you to be with all people, even people that you may not like, even people that make you feel uncomfortable. I want you to come close. And I want you to reach all people. And the Apostle Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians. He said this. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews, meaning in order to preach the good news of Jesus. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. And then he says this. To the weak... I became weak to win the weak, to preach the gospel. I have become all things to all people so that by all means possible, I might save some. He's like, I'll do all this. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Isn't that a beautiful picture? He's like, I'm going to share with people because I know that when I share, we share together. There's going to be this mutuality that's going to happen. Now, here's the beautiful part. All of you are placed to do this if you're following Christ. All of you are uniquely placed to do it. There's so many people in this room that I can't reach that you can. There's so many people in this room that Kensington can't reach, but you can. If you move and go, you have influence in your circle of people. You have people close to you. They're around you, that you can speak into their lives, that you can share the good news of the gospel. You have them all around you. And sometimes if you don't look at yourself as being an arrow shot into your community, you miss it. As you come here, you're like, okay, just feed me. Tell me what I need to know. Okay, good, I'll see you next Sunday. And look, I think it's beautiful that a church feeds. I I don't like that statement. Sometimes I'll hear people say, I'm just not getting fed enough here. Okay. Maybe you need to go somewhere else. I don't know. But I feel like we are here as leaders to make you hungry, not to stuff you with food. Hungry for the gospel. Hungry for Jesus. Hungry for that vision. Now, look, I think it's really important that we speak truth. We speak the truth of the gospel. We speak scripture and we teach it well. I really do. But I'm more interested in making you hungry for Jesus than when you leave here all week, you're saying, okay, God, What do you need? Get into his word. Listen to him. Get hungry to know more about him so that you understand what he's asking you to do in your context. And when you come close, something happens. That's why I like Hope Water Project. You know, if you were here last week, you found out that Andrew Kim talked me into doing the marathon this year with him. And uh, he's no longer on staff, by the way. So, (laughs) so. He talked me into doing like a relay thing, right? And so uh, obviously you don't have to be an athlete to do this. So I'm encouraging you to come with me. But so I started training like two months ago. I didn't even know he's asking me this. I'm doing it. But the point is this. What's amazing about the Hope Water Project, if you don't know what it is, we run marathons, we run races, we do biking, all these different kinds of things to raise money for our partners in Africa to provide clean water. And so it's It's awesome. But what happens is last, last week he was saying, okay, I said, uh, when does this training start? He goes, well, we start in April. And I'm like, great, I'll start training now. He's like, no, dude, we need to train together. I'm like, I'm not training with you. Are you crazy, man? Like, look at you and look at me. You know, and I, I said, I'll train on my own. He goes, no, the point is we train together. We're in community. We're close. We're in proximity. And the stories that have happened in Hope Water are amazing. How many Hope Water people we got here? Just yell out. 
Look, you got a decent amount here. Now you tell me if I'm wrong on this, but I've heard these stories. When you meet on a Saturday and you train together, sometimes you invite friends in that are not following God, that don't know anything about that, that are in situations that need to hear good news. You're just like, will you run with me? Well, if we're going to run and raise money for people and provide clean water and life, heck yeah, like most people are going to be on that. And so they run alongside. And as, you, as you're in proximity, what happens? You start talking. You start having a relationship. You start, you're close. You start to talk and you start to have a relationship. And there's these unbelievably transformative moments that happen. I remember a story that I heard a while back where one uh, young woman came there. She was a bartender. She, they invited her into it. They started running and running. And she said she didn't go to church. She didn't come into the building. But by the end of that Hope Water experience, she said, this is like church to me. This is where I found community. This is where I found family. And it's because someone reached out as an arrow and said, come with me. Come close to me. And that vertical incarnation becomes that horizontal incarnation in that moment. And we're all called to different things. We're all arrows being shot out. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, what it, what's the arrow that I am? Who am I? What am I meant to do? I had a lot of those conversations last night. If you're thinking that, we have a, 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 something called Move Out Conference coming up really soon. If you can go on our website or our app, look it up. Move Out Conference. And in that Move Out Conference, I think that we'll help you discover some of potentially what you're built to do. So look that up and be part of that. Powerlessness, we lay our power down, we serve others. Proximity, we come close, like Jesus came close. And then the third one is proclamation. We speak truth. We have seen his glory. Jesus surrendered his power. He humbled himself. He came into our circumstance. He served creation. But then he said, I'm going to speak truth to you. I'm going to tell you truth about what is happening. And then Mark, in the gospel, Mark says this, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What does repent mean? It means turn away. The time's come. Many people are like, I don't know where I'm going. And at some point in our, in our journey, if you're a follower of Christ in this room and you've come close to people, you're an arrow out in the community, you've been shot in this community, there's going to be a moment in time where someone says to you, why do you hope or believe the way you believe? First Peter says this, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it, of course, in gentleness and respect. As we draw close to people and serve others, there are going to be opportunities to share faith. And it's beautiful. People are like, I don't know, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to share faith. Why? People share all kinds of crazy things with each other. Think about it. Like, I'm kind of shy to talk about Jesus. Why? We talk about destructive behaviors between each other all the time. And we share it like it's truth. Oh, you're not good enough. You better get better at that or are not going to take you in on this. Look at I me. Mean, think about all the stuff we talk and, and speak to each other that are, is not life. And we're going to be shy to say, I have hope in my life and I found a source of it. And can I walk you to the source of it? You don't have, you're never going to make someone believe. Who's going to point the way? Hey, this is what I found. I drink from this fountain of water and it makes me feel this way. And then I share the water with somebody. It's that simple. People are like, I don't know. That's weird. They'll think I'm strange. 
Okay, they'll think you're strange. That's okay. But just walk in and share the reason for your hope. And it can be really simple. I remember sitting with a friend of mine years ago. We were on the road together, and we, we were talking. He was struggling in his life. I had come to faith. I have been following Jesus for a few years, not perfectly, but I was following him. And we were in a t- some tense situations, and I was really calm, and I just didn't affect me. So we went to dinner. He says, man, what is with you? There's something different in you. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, in this, the, you know, X, Y, Z, these situations... You didn't respond like I responded. I got real dark and negative and depressed. You just keep pushing forward. Why? There it is. Well, let me tell you my story. I invited him to come play. We played Wednesday night services here. He came and played Wednesday night service with me for a couple of years. And then we were at a retreat. And we were playing music. Uh, this pastor preaching, powerful, drawing people up to give their life to Christ. And, I was, and I, he played bass and I played guitar. And I was just having my eyes closed. I'm playing guitar. All of a sudden, the bass is gone. And I'm like, that's a weird choice to take the bass. I didn't even look at the guy. And all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden this guy just hugs me. And I look and I quit playing guitar and he's just crying. He's like, this is my moment, man. I get it now. You know, this is my moment. It took two years. That was his moment. Because all I did was say, this is the reason for my hope. That's it. It's not my job to convert. It's my job to just point. And when God shoots you out as an arrow in a community, you're going to have, when you come close, when you serve, and you have the hope and the light of Christ in you, you're not perfect. But when you have that in you, the perfect part of you who is Christ in you, you can share with somebody. A powerful, powerful picture. And I want you to know this. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, because many times you don't even need to use words in that. There's a, there's a phrase that says, preach the gospel, always use words when necessary. It's your life. And many times we know for a fact that many times people will come to faith faith when they're in transitional waters. When they're in transition of their life. Could be a really good transition like a birth of a child. Could be a low transition like a a diagnosis, an illness, or death. But in transition, in questioning... People desperately need to hear truth. Because you know what happens many times? And I know, I just this past week I was with a young man that's been hospitalized because of you know, some, some issues of not really thinking the right way about himself. You know what happens many times? In transition, people tell us things that aren't true. And start to take us down roads that aren't healthy. In transition, we need people to be able to speak truth. Oh, hey, you know, just so you know, in your darkness and in your depression right now, that's not who you really are. This is what God says you are. Let me point you to another way. God's shooting you out to meet people in transition and say, come. And it's a beautiful thing. And you can profess your, your faith. You can bring them in to the kingdom. And so we have a powerful story. A story by the name of George, a guy by the name of George. He has a business right out by our Clinton Township building that were, that were part of this Everyone campaign that we're, we're going to celebrate today. And we raised mo- enough money to start that project. We'll raise more money in this next year. I'll tell you about that in a minute to finish that and to do other things. But George lives by this building. It's going to be a beacon of light in the east side. And he speaks strongly. And when you listen to him, you'll start to see that he's almost a poster child for this series of an unstoppable force. He really sees the vision of this. As we do that, we're going to receive our offering. If you've come prepared to give, awesome. Thank you for being part of this. Thank you for this week. We consider this an act of worship. Many of you give online just like Amy and I do. Awesome. Thank you for that. If you're brand new, this does not have to be your moment. 
Your moment's what we call starting point. You just walk out a little bit to the right. You'll see people with starting point on. Love to shake your hand, hear your story, uh, and connect you into a big place. But if you're here and you're following Jesus and you're part of this mission, thank you. And so I want you to watch George's story and see if you can watch the unstoppable force play out in his context. Check this out. Morning, boys. David, how you doing? My favorite thing about Wolverine Harley-Davidson is the people I interact with on a daily basis. My customers, my employees, and their family. They've made this store and me the success that, that we are today. Danny. How you doing, buddy? How's it going? Anything I can help you with? Oh, I think we're, we got it covered. Okay, awesome. Have a great day, man. Harley-Davidson, it's a legend. It's an American icon. It's one of the most recognizable logos in business. It's a giving company. It really, really encourages dealers to take care of their community, to embrace generosity and engage in, in activities to, to help the community. That's why we're excited to partner with Kensington Church. Well, the, the, my first interaction with Kensington was at uh, one of my biggest charity events. You know, there's thousands of people here. There's uh, five, six, seven hundred motorcycles that, that depart from here. It's, uh, it's for veterans. And during uh, this very busy time, this gentleman approaches me from the crowd and he introduced me as the pastor of the upcoming Kensington Church. He took 10 minutes of my time to express their need and their mission. And he informed us that you guys needed some of our property to successfully finish your driveway that leads this quarter mile that goes back to your church. My partner very graciously had said, yeah, absolutely, give it to them. We love the fact that we did it. And ever since, it's just been magical. I've received more support from, from, from the church than, than that piece of property is worth. Passing around ideas, trying to figure out things to do to maximize what we could do for the church. I agreed to donate a motorcycle for a giveaway, a beautiful 2017 Softail Deluxe. It's one of my favorites. It's six speed, it's fully, fully loaded, just a, an absolutely gorgeous bike. That motorcycle will raise funds, for example, buy chairs. Okay, buy chairs for the church, and hopefully in, in one of those chairs, one young person will sit, and it will not only change their life, but probably change the life of friends and maybe even their whole family tree. In my opinion, one of the most important things we can do is support our, our church, support 
their encouragement. You can go into church anytime you want. It's free of charge, okay? I know Kensington will give you free coffee. They'll give you free literature. They'll love you, okay? Whether you have a dime or whether you don't. So how does a really successful businessman make such a bad business decision of giving his stuff away? I think that's why we're successful. I think that's what, what I've worked for all these years, to be a success, to be able to give back, to be able to help others. I mean, that's what I've worked for all my life. That gives me more pleasure than anything else, to be able to do something and help somebody. Awesome story. So good. I think it encompasses it encompasses this whole series in a lot of ways because George uh, De La Nuez lays down his privilege and power. And he comes close to his community. And he serves them. And he proclaims. It's beautiful. And here's the thing about George that's so amazing. He doesn't belong to Kensington. He doesn't attend the church. But he sees a vision that God's given. He's, God's given him a gift to create what he's created. And he's seeing that, oh, if I lay that down, if I give away a motorcycle and, pe- and parcels of land, which, by the way, are not cheap. In fact, we'll see that motorcycle next month because it's going to go through a raffle kind of thing for the next few months. So it'll be here on, on our campus sometime next month. Amazing, And then he sees the purpose. Did you hear it? He's like, maybe if I give this away, that money will actually purchase seats. I love that he actually picked out that it could purchase seats. And that some young person could be sitting in that seat. And then what? All of a sudden, they hear a message that transforms their life and gives them a new vision for how they see their life. And then he says this. And then the people around them may change. And the people around them may change. What is he saying? He's saying it could go on and on because we know that things that are rooted in God have eternal value and his eternal value will go generation to generation to generation to generation. If it's built on Kensington and humanness, guess what's going to happen? Scriptures say it will burn up and amount to nothing. But if it's rooted in God and someone experiences Jesus, it goes on and on and on and on. It's an unbelievable vision. That's what this church is built on what we call the go pulse, that we want to move, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them in the ways of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and baptizing them in that. And God said, I'll be with you always. To the end of the age, I'll go with you. That's what we're about. We're about going. That's why over the past two years, we've been involved in this three-year capital campaign to build that building in Clinton Township because we believe that lives are going to change and then be shot out of their arrows into communities more and more and more. So we're two years into this capital campaign. We have one year left. Now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that today is what we call Pledge Sunday. So those that are fully in this community and ready and go on board, we're going to pledge for the last year. And you're welcome to do that. If you're brand new, you don't have to be part of this moment. In fact, I'll say to you this, and I told you this in the beginning of that. If you're brand new, I'm just glad you're here because you hear our heart. Because we don't talk about this kind of stuff very often. Maybe every five, six years we'll hold a capital campaign because we want to do a push into the world to change our context, the nation, and the world. And so I'm glad you're here. If you want to take part, awesome. Last night, there was a girl sitting right where you're sitting. And the whole time I talked, she was really animated. She's all into it. And I'd never seen her before, a young girl. 
And at the end of this time together, today we're going to play a song and people are going to fill out. I'm going to walk you through this card in a minute after I show you a video. And she came down and she was part of giving. I'd never seen her before. And I was standing down there. At the end of the service, she comes up to me. She goes, I'm going to tell you something, mate. That was unbelievable, mate. You were so into Jesus. You were talking about Jesus. I totally got it, mate. You nailed it. I'm not kidding. That's how she talked. It was like Austin Powers. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, what is happening right now? She's like, I I go, you must be from here, you know? And so she's like, no, I'm from South Africa, right? She said, this is the second time I've come to your church. And she came in and just pledged something. I don't know what she pledged. It doesn't matter. She's like, I'm all in. I see the vision. We're inviting everyone to be part of this, even if it's checking time. You don't have to feel obligated to be part of this. But if you're here and you're new and you want to be, awesome. Balcony people are going to have you come down too. But I want to show you a video. Because sometimes we don't see the arrows that we send out into the world, into the country, into our region. And we watched this last week, and I want to watch it again. So that you understand the movement of this church. And then we're going to come down and be part of this beautiful moment. Watch this. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2, the church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Murgor, uh, the director of... Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week, I had the opportunity to meet a reporter, and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. And the first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp, and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satan. And you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. And in just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. You know, over 1,000 people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Left Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, Thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit. Thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All things new. Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you, too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60 plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this is because of you, your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you 
for what you've done. Let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing things. Thank you. see that I see just arrows being launched out and communities being changed and that's really what we want to be a part of and so many of you are already part of this you pledged two years ago we're in our last year there are many people that weren't even here you haven't even heard of the everyone campaign and so we're inviting you to take part in it and today's a day we're actually going to do pledge we got these boxes up here we're going to play a song and you guys can come up and lay these down uh, pledging for the next year and I love to walk you through that you got a program when you came in so if you pull that out and the bottom of it, there's going to be a tear off uh, part where you'll be able to uh, look, but just let me tell you, like I said, uh, two years ago, we started a three-year campaign. We, pled, we had people pledge $22 million in that campaign. You can bring that slide up. Yeah, and so uh, we have that pledge already. Amy and I are in for the three years. But now we have a, a, what we call the startup goal of this next year, where we're many people that couldn't enter in at that time are in a different stage of their life or some that are just brand new that want to be part of this. We want to invite you into this last year. We want to raise another $8 million to, to finish that building and then also do uh, different things to our campuses, uh, and different things around the country, and then also uh, our world and global partners. So uh, that's what we're really asking. And sometimes you hear a number like that and it thinks uh, that's just such a huge number. It's crazy. But because of the amount of people that we have, sometimes this, this big number is not as big as it looks. And so we, we've given you this to look at 70, 50, uh, 750 households that can commit $50 a month for 12 months or just a one-time fee, uh, one-time uh, you know, a gift. 1,300 households commit to $100 a month for 12 months or a $1,200 gift or a gift. And then the 2,000 households that can commit to 250 a month. That's an opportunity. Uh, for us to come in as a community and give what we had. I remember when we first started a couple of years ago, there were a couple of little kids that came up and pledged. And they're like, hey, I've got $20. And they put the pledge in there. It was beautiful. And so it really is a community saying, hey, if you see the vision and you want to be part of this, you're part of this. You know, if you've been here and you've been moved by God and you're part of the community, come and, and offer what you have. And God can always multiply that. And so when you have this card, uh, you can bring up the next slide. You can look at it. I'm going to give you about two minutes to just pray through it. Some of you are already ready to do that. But in the startup, it's your uh, opportunity to say, yeah, we're going to be part of this. For this amount, uh, even a one-time gift set up uh, or step up where some of you have already finished your pledge or you want to add to that pledge and then stay in. That's where Amy and I are going to be. We're going to stay in the original pledge that we, that we already did. And so we're going to give you a couple minutes to process that and pray through that. Uh, pray with the person with you. Uh, if you already know, pray together. We're going to give a couple minutes and then the band's going to play a song and we're just going to come up and lay that down in these boxes. But take a couple minutes and let's pray together as a community.
Father, thank you for this community. Thank you for the unbelievable generosity in this community over the, all the years that Amy and I have been here. It's, um, and we, we've, we've been blessed by that with our daughters and our adoption and everyone that came around us. It's crazy, crazy generosity in this community. And so we, we thank you for that, Lord. We ask, Lord, that whatever we bring to you, we know that you multiply. A little, a little boy gave you his lunch and a little bit of what he had, and you multiplied it and fed who you needed to feed. So we trust you with all that we give you. We thank you that we have the opportunity to be in this community and to be following you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This is what we're going to do. We are going to have the band play just a real energetic song talking about God being at the center of everything. He is the one thing that will always remain. He's eternal. For those of you in the balcony that you are going to take part of this, just come down and then you can just stay in this lower part and sing with us. Uh, because as you get, you know, as we will split the room, you guys can come right down the aisle, come in the aisles, drop them off in these boxes. I'll be the first one, Amy and I. She can't be with me today, but I'm going to drop this off in, uh, for us. But just come down the aisles, drop it off when you're ready as the band plays. But yeah, be free. And then everyone from the balcony, you just stay down here and we'll finish singing this last song. But let's do this offering together. Your love never fades and never gives and never runs out. 
Father, I love the image of on and on and on and on it goes. Everything that's rooted in you, Lord, has eternal value. On and on and on it goes long after we are gone. So much of what we work for is just going to burn up. But those things rooted in you, Lord, go on and on and on. Let us be part of that, Lord. You love us. You'll never let us go. And you will take us to places we can never imagine. Thank you, Lord, for this unbelievable generosity. I pray over these gifts. They are our church's heart surrender. They are surrendering to you, Lord. And we know when we give to you, you take and make things beautiful. You multiply. You use it in a way we can never imagine. And solely for your purposes, we pray that they are used for. Thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Hey, I just want to let you know. In all the years, and I'm, t- I'm being honest, we have received the generosity, Amy and I, and our family of this community. So I say thank you for that. We've taught, you've taught us how to be generous. You've drawn us into the presence of Christ. And so thank you for that. Thank you for this moment. And it's a holy moment. We will hold it tight and hand it to the Lord. Uh, look, when you leave, I would love you to take invites. I was so grateful someone invited me to this building years ago to an Easter service. So take them. People want to be invited. Don't worry. It's okay. People aren't going to freak out if you just ask them to come. So take a bunch, invite people. If you need prayer, come down front. We'll see you in the lobby. If you want to be part of Hope Water, there is a this table out there. Look at, join me. I'm not an elite athlete, but then I will be. So be with me and uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.